My top five podcasters, Chris, 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 Chris Lambert, and probably myself, but this ain't about that. The mundane festival is where you at. If you've been tapped in, you know what's up. If you're a first timer, hey, welcome to the club. The cost of admission is simply a subscription. Then rating and reviewing it wherever you listen. Don't worry about change ups, the cast won't break up. Even with that million dollar contract, show up a stand up guy who's a stand up comedian with a stance on everything from food to media. So, welcome to the show. Please take your seat. Let's find out what he's got in store this week. Who, me? I'm Don. Will you open the act? Thanks for coming out. Please clap. The Mundane Festival with your host, Chris Lambert. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Mundane Festival podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lamberth, recording this episode for Sunday, April 30th, 2023. Remember, as always, you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. If you're really into this thing, go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to shows. Give this one a five-star review. Let everybody know why you like it, because it's simply the right thing to do. And if you would like to take your love and appreciation of this show to an even deeper level, go over to patreon.com slash mundane festival and subscribe. It's three bucks a month for hours and hours and hours of bonus content. This is episode 644. There is a guest. It's not just me flying solo, uh, being the host of an ego maniacal podcast. It's, <laughs> Hey, we have a guest, so I don't have to spew all my thoughts into an abyss. I have a very funny comedian, Mr. Andy Pitts. How are you, sir? I'm good. And let, let's make it a dual egotistical podcast. Let's both yeah. do that. Why not don't we just have ego, just not one guy's ego, two of them. That's right. Why can't we just have we could have two guys, two men, two cishet men spewing their 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 ideas. Yes, mansplaining to the masses. Exactly. And I love how you said listening apparatus. That made me smile. Oh, okay. that was a very colorful way of putting I that. I thought that was different. Something, yeah, that's cool. It's, it's who I, part of who I am. Uh, how are you, man? I'm doing very well. Thank you. And I saw you, I think it was, it's almost a month ago now at the gig at uh, SOPAC, South Orange oh my God. Performing Arts Center. Yeah. And I said... This is a guy, you and I connected, you know, we've known each other before that, obviously. Yeah. But we connected over the idea of being punctual. And oh, my God. Yeah. So this Zoom <laughs> meeting, you should have seen me. I'm looking at the clock. I'm settling in. I go, I have 15 seconds to log in because I can't be late because you and I were both, you know, going off on people yeah. that were late. So I said, I can't be late. So I think I got it in right, uh, right under the wire. Yeah, that ended up being a really good show. That was fun. Yeah, a show like that. We were talking about laughs in the loft that SOPAC that um, comedian Joe Larson, Joe Larson yeah. hosts a monthly. And if you if you live in New Jersey, if you're anywhere, and I guess you consider that, I think that's still North Jersey. I I mean, it's only a half an hour south of me. So yeah, yeah, it's I consider right that outside the right outside the train station, easily accessible. Yeah, it's it's a great time for, and it, for most it, comics. Yeah, 
Oh, shots fired. Uh, it's that those shows like that are 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 treats. Like a very those I love gigs like that. There's so much fun, especially when they're in an art space, when they're in a theater space where there's you know the people there know it's going to be a show. Yeah, and we'll talk about like your journey as a comic, but I I know for me coming up in in New York almost fourteen fifteen years ago, it was if it wasn't in a club, it was at some bar in Brooklyn. Mm. Yeah, and it's like. Yeah. Gorilla shows, right? You yeah. have long since graduated, my friend. That well, atmosphere at the yeah. Sopac, you know, it's it's state of the art everything because not just the nuts and bolts of it, which is you know, great sound system, perfect size stage, gorgeous lighting, professional. The people that are there are almost like a dream audience. I've yeah. been on two of them. I guest hosted the week you were on which was okay right such right such an honor and i did a set and then i came by to uh, watch a couple other comics the other time so three times total that i've like witnessed the show in person mm-hmm. and it's always the crowd is so good and it's you know whatever a weird compliment to give an audience from because we we love just complaining about this crowd and that crowd right but, but every single one to the point where uh one of the comics before they went on stage said, can I, can I say this? Can I say, I go, you can say whatever you want. These Mm -hmm. people, you know, if you think it's funny, if it's in your act or if you're even thinking about trying it, I would do it here. Yeah. They don't wince at anything. They don't recoil. They're not judgy. They might laugh harder or laugh less harder, but they don't give you that those sounds that just sort of take the energy out of the- oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, none of that just clapping and you know enthusiasm and appreciation for the art form dare i say art form no it is it is and we gotta especially we gotta, when it's done there you know yeah. it does uh, you know we were talking about <laughs> bar shows and stuff before. yeah um those are you know i guess a different form of art form but, yeah, I want to get back to it. I need to do more because I want to be in the city more and just working uh, on the act. So I don't I don't mind it. But but sometimes those can be like guerrilla shows where the audience doesn't know. Like there's somebody's trying to somebody's trying to hook up with a, a lady or a, or a man or or somebody's. Yeah, they have something more interesting in, within yeah. five feet of them, you know, right. And th- this place that we're talking about, you know, the focus is on the performer. And right. if you got that at a space, that's 80% of it. Mm-hmm. And um, these guerrilla shows and bar shows and bringer shows and all these, it just takes so many forms, this stand up thingy. Oh, yeah. That, that we do. So it's nice to enjoy a, the really creme de la creme atmospheres that we get. Like like the last one that we did. That was awesome. And yeah. the time before that, I did. Uh, you and I did a show together at that uh, taco place in Little Falls, New Jersey. Yes. Which doesn't place. sound like a, a compliment, yeah. but that was awesome. Those people no, were it was great. great. It was 30 really people. Great. Yeah. They, uh, you know, I guess were regulars and they know the show's happening. Like you were saying, you don't want to surprise people. Right. They know what's going on. It's a Monday night and it felt like a, a Friday or right. Saturday. They were, they were so good. 
food was good there. A taco affair in Little Falls. Uh, yeah, go there. They got one in in Danville that just opened not too long ago. And I think there's somewhat another one like down south somewhere they're building. Okay, it's like a little one. empire. <laughs> I need to go. I need to go there, be more adventurous, and just go on. Not necessarily just get out of the area and just go over there and eat one night. I'm in. Yeah. Oh, we should. Well, you and I should yeah. go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We should why do not? That. We'll do yeah. a show even if they don't want one. Oh, or we'll just we'll just eat. All right. We'll just <laughs> okay. Wait. You said you wanted to to do more spots. So that's I true. No, I I was impressed because that was like a that was a a Mexican themed restaurant that was uh the proprietor is a a tiny white woman, and oh, usually yeah. that and usually that's a sign of disaster. <laughs> but yeah, the food was good very good and remarkably authentic considering the background of the the person that started it i guess she must be some kind of an expert yeah she's i'm sure so good yeah yeah it was terrific um yeah that yeah that was a fun show too i mean it's it's not you know when you get when you're doing club work is great and all that but sometimes when you do some of those like all i guess you would you consider that an alty type show or like uh yeah i guess yeah it's it's nowhere that you're gonna see big hitters in the business Mm -hmm. uh there's nobody looking to put uh people on the late night show scouting out even if yeah i don't even know if that happens anymore but you know what i mean like depends what your version of alt is because i would say yeah sure why not because i want to look cool like i'm doing it (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. it was an alt room that i did you know in little falls and uh but they're remarkably good because there was nothing else there was that the, the whole town is like one street yeah yeah and it was just so i said hey uh what what i i went back and listened to this recording that's when you know it was at least an okay show because i went back and listened once <laughs> you um, listened to your set i like, did that night. i go oh man I, I had the audience mic'd up and everything uh i was practicing my recording uh techniques there so i said it's great to be here and then little falls right on the strip <laughs> like three or four businesses and you know i parked within 15 feet of the place and i walked in and it was kind of packed yeah for for a place like that right let's think back because i know i didn't meet you that night so i know the last gig we did and the little falls gig how do how do we know each other before that would it stress factory i think it might have been levity live i was thinking about that too you're right this was it maybe the sunday afternoon shows Oh my God, those were tough. Uh, yeah. I don't think so. Okay, just normal shows. That's just one of those shows. Like I was thinking about that. That's one of those shows where you can't curse, and like there's yeah, kids for in the, the people who are listening. This club in Rockland County, New York, which is used to be my sort of quote unquote home club because I used to live 15 minutes from there. They know it. They know it because okay, I talk yeah. about it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you're right. I think we did meet there. But incidentally, it used to be my they, home club too before they yeah, went you know, fucking right. corporate, man. Same, same. Yeah. Can't, can't deal. Yeah. They had these, you know, those um, Sunday afternoon shows that was like for parents and kids. They would literally serve pancakes on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You had to be there at like 1230. I think the show was at 1.30 or 2 o'clock or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, come on. Need I say more as far yeah. as uh, that was a, that's strictly for the money 
I mean, most games oh, are strictly for the money, but that one was strictly for the money, and it never conflicted with anything. So it was an right. easy, it was a nice way to spend a couple. I wish my daughter was a little older at the time; she was really only like three or four. But okay, I would have brought her and sat her in the back. Yeah, she, to a gig that Matt Jenkins did, and it was um, uh, a host named Gina D, who was very funny. Then Matt Middled and I closed, and it was a a fundraiser for the police department in. Uh, keep always forgetting the name of this town but it's right near near us matt will know let me call him he okay. killed so hard my daughter didn't stop talking about him for a week she's like i love matt jenkins she was 10 at the time she just turned yeah. 11. She was bringing up matt jenkins every five minutes he's a like, lovable dude man yeah i said hey your dad's a comic too by the way but uh she's like are you gonna see matt again are you gonna work with matt again what matt 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 he's a super clean comic <laughs> he's funny he i love his intervention guy. his intervention joke Mm. I'll ruin it, but I when he was on here, I made him uh, tell it. But that's like that was just like probably one of my all time favorite jokes of it. That's my all time favorite joke of his, definitely. But it just kind of it's like oh, I, I'm gonna ruin it. But he's like, ah, what happens when uh you try to have an intervention? A black family tries to have an intervention for their uncle who's an alcoholic. It just turned into a cookout. <laughs> That's yeah, it. You didn't like that. angle it that much. He I'm was cracking us up. I love that line. I think he just posted that on uh, Instagram. Oh, he did? Within the last week or so. Um, oh, I love that. Movie. Maybe. Um, but he's a guy who I, you know how you scroll and scroll. I always stop on Matt's videos. Yeah. He's really underfollowed. It's a shame. Um, yeah, it's it's weird, this this business. It's, uh, there is. I, I can't say fully that there's no alchemy to it because I think there's some, but then when it comes to just pure talent, it's not. It's definitely not always fair. This business, oh, no, in general, isn't no isn't no. fair. It, it would be almost chaos if that was true. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're I, trying to get on late night. I was thinking. Of, yeah, definitely. I want to. It doesn't mean the same. Uh, for, like, I guess you're not. You, it's not like Johnny Carson. It's not yeah. like how it used to be. First of all, I think you're perfect for it, for whatever oh. my opinions were. Oh, thanks. And also, you're welcome. When I did my first thing, it was March 10th of 2003. It okay. was it was Letterman, and I thought after that, I'm like, this is it, man. This is it. Yeah. I sent some emails out. I got one back that said, "Hey, this is a great accomplishment, but." doesn't really mean anything anymore yeah in not so many words and i'm right. not saying that's true for everybody that's mm -hmm. it's it was true for me at that time but yeah. it got me to be you know it's always that we all have that friend who's just super funny needs a credit mm -hmm. you know just to for whatever those things are worth or not worth or whatever we all want our you know first one or yeah and the second one and then the third one <laughs> the first one is like you know it's sort of like um i don't know almost like virginity in a way yeah like, hey this is this is the reason that we're all doing this yeah you get some validation i'm good enough to do it mm -hmm. i'm not gonna blow it give me a yeah. chance you know like yeah. and, and you just um keep trying and trying and trying and then it happens and and then 
it's it's so unpredictable because I know so many people who've it's happened to so many different ways. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's disappointing, but ninety percent of the time it's it's amazing. And I'm sure you have your set in your head all the time. Oh yeah, you know you can do it in your sleep. Like Seinfeld said, I hand it down to a point where somebody could be slapping me, and I would do it perfectly. You know, yeah, th- that's your best five or six or whatever. And you, it's like, oh, this is this is what I'm gonna try out, you know, in front of the world. Because because as a comic, yeah. when you're watching it, you're like, I wonder what Chris is gonna pick out of his set you know, to play yeah. late night, you know? And oh, like, he did that. Joke. <laughs> he's scrutinizing. Yeah. Oh, he's been doing that for ten years. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. But no, hey, definitely, do your best stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to. I know what I'd like to do, and I want to just. Get the process going. I talked to my manager about it. I've been sending him tapes. All right. And because uh, that's one reason why I don't want to just flood Instagram with my stuff. But okay. But I, I, I just, I don't know. There's still like, I still think sometimes I'm being a little too precious with the material for some reason. I don't know. What do you know. mean by that? Just like not putting it out there. Everybody. Oh, oh you're like, you know, you're, you're holding it closely. Like Gollum a little bit. Yeah, I did yeah, put so. out an album three years ago, like a because I thought we were all gonna die, and I wanted <laughs> it, and if I were to die, I would have I, I put that album out so I'd have something with a barcode before I died. That's great, you know. Like now you feel good. Yeah, you feel legitimate. These yeah. tapes, you know, we send these tapes, and I heard this is the one thing that I know is definitely not true. That some people might I don't know if people are telling you this or not. T- don't listen if they're telling you this. It's, it's some people will say it's about the material man don't if you want to send the tape if you like the material don't worry if you're killing or not killing because the person that watches it that's bullshit you got to be killing I'm yeah every yeah. every line's got to work mm-hmm. if any, i don't know it's my opinion I've seen it you know for a few decades now yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't say it if i didn't totally feel it to be true um you know you might get passed at a club if there is a booker who's really a comedy purist or a nerd or someone who just can see through the audience response it's like oh that yeah. maybe they, maybe this is just not the best crowd for this person but i'm gonna i'm gonna pass this person anyway yeah but in that case perhaps but for why would somebody put somebody on a late night show if they are not killing every single time they see them like because you're going to go on the show and the person's going to stand there with you know with their fingers crossed and be like oh i hope this wasn't the same kind of crowd that is on the tape <laughs> you know, yeah, they, yeah. I, they don't take any chances i don't think i wouldn't right you yeah. know rolling the dice and be like i really believe in this uh, comics uh, delivery mm-hmm. or originality or whatever um noun you want to put there and uh, you know let's see how they do no it's got to be I think you got to set check off all the boxes. Nice looking, um, sounds good, pleasant to you know encounter. Like just somebody who's going to see it, just a pleasant feeling, not like yeah. a weird like a weird vibe type of person. Yeah. And then the cherry on top is if you have good material, but a lot of people that don't have any good material, they kill anyway. You know. So. Yeah, and it's you. you sometimes it's easy to fall in the traps and the guy's not that funny she's not that good and then they get yeah i try not to be you i let those feelings wash over me and then i just quickly like 
you know, I have, it's not to say that I don't have those human emotions, but I feel it. Sure. And then I just try to let it, there let it go. go. It's not guiding your raft ride down the river. Yeah, it's, uh, it's right, right. And and because it does, it doesn't make any sense. We all drive ourselves nuts to a certain degree or not from, you know, for me, it's like if, if, if I'm if I'm in a good mood, I can do what you said. Right. If I'm not in a good mood. I really go down these rabbit holes of over examining things is why is this person doing why is the, why did this person get this and why why didn't I get it and and in the field that we're in I think it's especially noticeable because it's noticeable like you yeah. know when everybody gets something because exactly. they're, they're telling everybody they're posting yeah. it's like yeah. it's like no other job where you know some some person gets a promotion at work and you're like oh yeah congratulations but then there'll be a guy two departments over or a person working there who never heard of this person. Or is it like we know everything every that each other's doing, at least most of the time. Whether we want to or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then some people like why why do I follow this person on Instagram? So frustrating. <laughs> oh, because they yeah. follow me. And if I unfollowed them, I'd look like a dick. So I'll just keep them on. You just keep them on. Yeah. I yeah, I just try to be like forge my own my path. And the path that I've been going down has been pretty good for me. So I, I just try to you had a great set that night. Oh, thanks. Both thanks. nights. They love you. I think, Like I said, I think you would be perfect for, oh, man, I would love to see just your best six or six. Yeah. Eight. Thanks, man. That'd yeah, I, I did some time on the Access TV. Like Steve Mazzilli got me on there. Like I've oh, the Gotham show. Yeah. Cool. yeah. The Gotham. Com it's the Gotham Comedy Live. I think. Yeah. I did yeah. That, like sure. Sure. 20, 2013. So 10 uh -huh. years ago. Wow. wow yeah. Cool getting old andy oh uh, don't even uh <laughs> who are you talking to yeah um yeah how, but how, those those are good for getting you in front of a camera yeah having like you know you're not only performing to comedy club patrons but you're performing to a guy in a headset with a clipboard walking around and yeah just you know, start at a certain time and finish it like there's so much more going on than right. meets the eye with these things and you know you can't you just can't drop the ball where there's something yeah. as precious as stand-up mm -hmm. where it's got to be not interfered with at all so much work goes into not interfering with it and they wind you up and let you go but you just say look when they when you know you get those things like well when i hold up one finger it means you have one minute left and then when I make a T out of both of my hands, like a timeout sign, that means you have 30 seconds left. It's like, I'm not going to fucking know what, you know. Yeah. Come on, give me a break. I'll, I'll finish. I'll try to come close to it. But there's yeah. no way I'm going to like, oh, I should maybe cut that tagline uh, because I only have 30 seconds left. And I know the rest of this is like 32 seconds. I don't know. I was never very good at that sort of thing. But yeah. um, like, I, I want to see six minutes of Chris Lamberth you know all of your your top tier stuff mm -hmm. put a barcode on it it'll always be there <laughs> yeah that's i mean that's what i did like some of it some of what i want to do is on the album uh but it would be it would it would definitely be fashion refashioned to fit the format like I mean, i kind of wish conan was around still around right doing his show because i think i would have fit well there because if i'm not i'm not Rory, funny like rory scoville who but is, i but oh, i think correct. yeah you know right he's uh -huh. great so yeah. it's like he lets he kind of lets people go a little bit 
Now, I wouldn't letting yeah. me go and Rory Scovel go are two different things, but I think they're both funny. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but I, I he just came to mind um, when I was thinking about a late night. But yeah, like I, I feel like I could do Fallon or Seth Myers. I mean, they're the only two now, I think. Corden? Corden's leaving. He's okay. I think he's gone now. He did okay. like that last uh car karaoke thing that he does. Oh, the car carpool carpool karaoke. karaoke. Yeah, with Adele. Oh, okay. I think I think that's a wrap. They're bringing back at midnight. Okay, okay. So I don't I don't know. But, you know, it Speaking is old people. I don't pay attention. You know, I haven't watched a late night show in a long time. I like watching my friends sets. Yeah, I watch mm-hmm. stuff on YouTube. Like if it's somebody yeah. that I want to see, I'll just I'll wait till YouTube. This I'm going to be on. I watch it. Yeah, you know, and, and hopefully yeah, you know they share the clip so you can get to the YouTube link. Yeah, get yeah. the YouTube link. Right. I got my Letterman. I got a week and a half later in the mail on VHS. Two thousand three. <laughs> yeah. So we had this is this is a thing that I really, um, I sort of feel bad for newer comics if this is the way it happens but i'm assuming that it we used to have these like viewing parties like if one of us did a late night set we would pick you know if it was your apartment was too small we would go to somebody's apartment and all your friends would come or you would go to a club like one of the clubs like yeah or whatever or wherever you worked out the set the most whoever let you on the most (laughs) the week before it and everybody would gather around and watch you and you know pat you on the back and give you a drink and you know it was like a camaraderie thing and that sort of i haven't heard of anybody doing that lately i could be wrong and i hope i'm wrong but i don't don't know about lately but uh but coming up i i've saw where people have done done that like at a bar or something like that yes oh it's the it's better than the actual thing that you do yeah all your friends are there and you know, it's it's just it, it, that's what makes that's what solidifies it as a memory, I think. At least well, let's talk about your journey, at least like let's talk about let's talk about the Letterman and then go back. Let's talk about like where you were uh, in 2003 in your career. OK, how, how long? How old were you? How far in were you? Um, in I was 12 years in. OK, so I started in around 89, 90 okay and down in the uh philly market and south jersey yeah yeah um there were so many clubs there you know this chris there was just you know i never lacked any work from the from the second i did an open mic at the funny bone to you know today i just Uh never lacked work because Uh it was it was easy for me it was basically so many clubs and nobody working clean that I was on this sort of like I was immediately bookable because I didn't swear a lot and it sort of like set me apart I guess from from other okay so I was there for five or six years my mom passed away I moved back to Buffalo for a couple years met my now Mm ex-wife who we moved to Brooklyn in 1996 or seven and for the next let's see three or four years, I didn't really do much because I was still, I was working on the road a lot already. Like I said, I was already, you know, over 10 years in. So I was like middling and closing 
some crappy stuff, but I was always working. Right. I, it just felt like a crazy waste of time for me to be in the city because I didn't know anybody really. I mean, I didn't have a lot of friends that were working there. And um, I made the decision to change that. So I canceled all my road stuff. I got a day job and I just started going into the city and hanging out and meeting people. And I think it took like four or five years of doing once a year, I would do the bringer show at Caroline's, the Andy Engel bringer show at Caroline's Mm -hmm. and Eddie Brill was the host. And I was so out of the loop. I didn't know Eddie's job was to book the comics. Right. for the first five years that I knew him. So, yeah. So I became aware of that finally. And I think between the fifth and sixth one, I took over a year and um, I was working, you know, working in the, a day job in Brooklyn at a warehouse or whatever, but it was like 11 in the morning till seven at night, which was perfect. So I could like, that's what I did. Those were the hours <laughs> that I did at Walmart it's when I worked perfect. at Walmart. Yeah. That's the schedule you got to get, man. Cause people, yeah. Hey, you're doing the nine to five. It's like, well, it's not nine to five. Cause that would be brutal. 11 yeah. seven. And um, I made a really good tape and um, you know, Eddie approved me for the show and, it was, you know, it wasn't really, there's nothing really special about it. I'm one of a million people who did the same thing, but just the fact that I kind of was so clueless about it, I think almost helped me because I used to see um, after I knew who Eddie was and what his job was, he was always very nice and very gracious to everybody. But there was like a couple of little eye roll moments where there was somebody who's like three years in and they're just like spazzing out just because they're going on stage and they're like, Hey, could you watch my set? And he's like, uh, yeah, I'll see if I'm in the room. You know, it was just like, you're not, dude, you're not getting the show, dude. Like there's, it's just, I'm sorry. It's not going to happen, but he would never say that. He would just be like, you know, boy, can you believe that? So yeah. I never did that. Cause I didn't know who he was. I probably right. would have, I, I probably would have at some yeah. point had I known, but I was just how, always like, how Sweet. old were you back then? Uh, let's see. In 2003, I was 34. Okay. Well, you were an adult. You probably were. Yeah, sure. Well, I I didn't know. I wasn't a a show business adult. And and for whatever Bill Cosby is on people's minds, I think it was him who came up with this. And I just think this is so brilliant, Mm -hmm. especially for stand-up comics. Like your your age and however many years you've been doing stand-up, you're like that age as a person. So it doesn't matter what your actual age is. If you've been doing comedy for a year, you you know about as much as a one-year-old. Yeah. You have about the same um, same chance of making a living as a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. And when you're 15 years in, you're starting to maybe have a crack at making a full-time living if you're busting your ass and everything. Yeah. And you don't really know what you're doing in life or in comedy until you're 25, 30. I don't know. Yeah. I like it. I, I, I've always, that's always resonated with me. And so when somebody says, uh, yeah, you know, God, I've been doing this 10 years already. And uh, yeah, I did a 40 minute set the other night, you know, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you know, that's great. And yeah. I'm not like wishing ill on anybody, but it's like, you're 10. You're yeah, like you're 10 my daughter old. who just turned 11, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you know, uh, and some people of course are, I'm talking about 98% of comics. There are right. some comics who the second they set foot on stage, they're immediately being propelled towards whatever they were destined to do. I'm not talking about right. those people. 
I'm talking about the yeah. blue collar comics. Um, yeah. The uh, you know the 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 people who grind it out. Yeah. I think thinking of that and and keeping that in mind, like for me, it eliminated a lot of frustrations for me because I remember how I was as a 21 year old person. Mm-hmm. Thought I knew everything, didn't know shit. Yeah. So when I was 21 years into comedy, I was like, um, well, I'm getting better, I guess. I, I know what I'm doing. I'm not making the same mistakes as I used to make. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just like being alive when you're 21. Like you have a certain amount of freedom and then you suddenly realize, wow, there's a lot I don't know. And you need older friends. You need mm-hmm. people who are who are more experienced to sort of like pull you along and say like guide you along just like in life you know you should always have older friends and older listen to your relatives listen to you know everybody dismisses their family sometimes and you know their uncle and the dad he's old he doesn't know anything you can listen to these people like i, yeah. I learned just as much from old bitter comedians who i would not necessarily want to follow in their footsteps but sometimes boy they have some knowledge yeah so around the time you did letterman i was i had my first big acting gig uh working as an intern at the chicago shakespeare theater wow on a production of uh julius caesar and you got to see like we were like townspeople like when mark antony's like friends roman lend me your ears all that you know that big speech we were like townspeople and different uh ensemble members we were ensemble yeah i got to see the people that busted their ass that worked hard that were really good and there was people that kind of just kind of weren't like i don't want to be that dude you know like it's definitely you don't want to be that person so that that Mm. makes sense and the thing about cosby i didn't know that was attributed to him i had heard that before I didn't know that was attributed to him, but I remember I remember Mark Marin saying, This is the and I've talked about this on the show before. This is the around the time like 2013, 20 before the Hannibal Burris video dropped and he got in trouble. He got in trouble. Like everybody was like, You have to see Bill Cosby before he dies. You have <laughs> to see him. Oh my God. And I and I went to see him. He was amazing. Before <laughs> yeah. I, we knew you know, before I knew what happened. Yeah, he had like a he did two hours and change by no opener. Walked out there, destroyed. Saw him in my backyard, uh, Bergen Bergen Pack, crushed it. And I remember Mark Marin saying he decides what's funny, and Ooh. and it's like I was like, oh, that's good. I was like, huh, that makes that, and it's kind of like I was. I think about that, like how how do I like I'm I'm not at Cosby's level. Uh, but how can I decide what's funny? How do that's, I do that? What does that look like for me? Oh, you man. Know? that's really insightful. And yeah. anybody can use it. Yeah. And then really work is. from there. Like whether, you know, you think I think this is funny. I'm going to try it. Like that night, the last show we did together, I was when I was walking up, somebody said, fuck Passover or something yeah oh and, that was the whole theme of the night yeah oh okay it was, the, it was the first night of passover right and, and i was uh, which i guess happened to be a, a a wednesday yes and so yeah and somebody said that and you heard it yeah and i walked up and i had this bit that i've been i wanted to start with something kind of dark 
And uh, I don't want to spoil the bit, but it, like it was just it was something about like You're being too precious. Just not being too precious. It's basically I wanted to start about like what it was like to wait on the wait on be on hold at with Verizon, and uh, one and thinking about killing myself. <laughs> and and i talked i said you ever think about killing yourself and <laughs> and people were like people were like oh, oh i said wait a minute now i just listened to somebody say fuck passover <laughs> you're gonna listen to this so you did and, get an awe from the so yeah yeah i said we're gonna we're gonna have a good time let me get <laughs> you decided exactly right yeah it's like you guys i just heard this shit i was in the room when somebody yeah. said fuck passover don't tell me it didn't happen Right. So it's just it's one of those things where you just try to like that where I'm working from now is just thinking, well, I think this is funny. How do I how do I descend? I, I think that's where the fun is anyway. Of the sure. is this the process. I mean, like artistically, that's how it's is for me as an actor coming up in the theater, just kind of like yeah, rehearsal is where you have the fun, where you where you get to fail. Um two different uh mediums, but you get to fail. If you're in rehearsal, you make the crew laugh, then you know you're on to something. Wow. You know, or you or you connect with them or if they if they connect with you in a certain way. But, yeah, I think I, I really like that. And I think like Marin said that, yeah, it had to be 10, 10 years ago when he said, I was like, oh, yeah, that is that is something. And I think that's what we all do. Um, Because I was doing a show. I was at Bananas last weekend and. Somebody said, you're going too far. I didn't hear at I didn't hear at first. And she said, you're going too far. And I said, what'd you say? She said, you're going too far. And I said, well, I'm going to go further. And the crowd <laughs> erupted like they and then that's she, great. She ended up laughing, you know, but me. Oh, wow. Good. Ten years ago, probably wouldn't have been. You would have been apologizing. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, uh, I don't think I would <laughs> apologize, but I would just be like, she would have thrown me off my square. Yes. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But good, so, you dug in and you went further, and yeah, I'm so glad that you got the energy from the crowd to do it too. Oh yeah, and it was kind of a throwaway thing that I that I do. Dude, you're so edgy. Your throwaway shit goes too far. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I don't think yeah, because I think I'm I don't curse a lot. I don't think I'm uh, I just think I'm a a comedian. I'm just a comic. I'm like you. You're I, if you're an adult, you pay for a ticket. You get a babysitter to come to a show and I'm going to give you I'm going to try to I'm going to try to push the boundaries in that setting. Not 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 like, a, you know what I mean? It's, it's not like I'm a provocateur, but it's just yeah. I'm going to try Dude. to give you a show. Yeah. Like make it memorable. Make it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then some people get bored. Mm hmm. Like it's so easy to bore people and I'm not edgy whatsoever, but I'm very hypersensitive about people like zoning out during my show and being bored. Right. So I, I make up for it by, um, you know, I'll do impressions people and, you know, always remember impressions or, mm -hmm. um, just blast them with as much funny shit as humanly possible and like try right. to make it professional and try to make it memorable and energetic and everything and not just you know even in because in the city people go in of course you know they'll see eight ten comics 
So yeah. they can't zone out. <laughs> they are right. just, right. you know, there's a new person and then an MC every, you know, 12 minutes or 15 minutes or something. You don't have that luxury when you're doing an hour. Yeah. You know, if it's just you and an opener or something and you got to do an hour, I'm like, oh my gosh, I like that situation, but I'm really super self conscious about, you know, boring people and boring myself. Mm hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I don't get edgy, but I just uh, try to entertain. I had one of those moments. And I want to get back to you doing late night, but I, I had one of those moments in uh, Utica uh, last year. I was doing a room headlining and Fat cats, Fat cats. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And I was I. the first show was fine. Second show. Friday night was like I was OK. I got through it. Yeah, that's the hard one. And I went back to my room i was thinking like i was like oh i'm trying i'm not gonna do things off the album i'm gonna i was like and then i thought to myself people don't fucking know me give them a show <laughs> heard it imagine yeah, if you're in utica they're like hey that's track number eight off of your yeah they don't yeah. they don't know who the fuck i am and then i said let me do this stuff and and i had ended up having a good time the rest of the weekend but you know, it's just sometimes you have to put your yourself in check. I don't know if you ever have ever gone through that, something like that. Constantly. Yeah. Try not to overthink. Yeah. And I, I think it's more noticeable in other people than myself. But I, I know so many comics who say they these people came last year. Mm. It's like an annual fundraiser that a comic will host every year. And they all say that. They go, well, these these people heard my shit last year. It's like, uh, yeah, but there's a lot of assumptions going on there. Yeah. They don't, I don't think people remember a lot of it, first of <laughs> all. And then they, you know, they might not laugh the same way, but they, they don't mind as much as we think they do about hearing jokes more than once. Yeah. I, I think comics have this thing that just, you know, oh my God, they've already heard all of my stuff is like, well, first of all, it was last year. And if you still have the same 15 minutes, that's sort of on you. Yeah, that's, that's true too. But yeah. the, the, like, you know, they want to, you know, I had, I've had people say like, Hey, why didn't you do the, this thing? And I was like, well, I don't do it anymore. And they're like, well, last time I saw you, right. you did it and I was disappointed. So you did like, I don't know. It's not exactly like a band right a, a musician or something. I like, you know, you left out this and that and people notice it. But I do think that people laugh when they're surprised, mostly. Mm -hmm. But sometimes yeah. they do just want to, you know, um, they feel more comfortable if they if they know something or something. It's not as it's not the the um, the radio. It's not the toxic waste that people think it is. It's like your set isn't going to go completely out the window if you repeat a couple jokes from last year. Like stop right. overthinking it. At least I try not to. And um, you know. All of this stuff comes with the parentheses. I may be wrong, but you know, it, it leads me to having better sets when I don't think about it so much. Right. Yeah, and, I, I try not to think about it too much either. I try to do what I want to do, and and let Seinfeld says, "Excuse yeah. me, sorry, but uh, Jerry Seinfeld said." When you're a comic, you're like a baseball manager, and you put your best team on the field every night. Mm -hmm. game and i love that analogy sort yeah. of like i'm putting my best i'm putting my best team on the field 
If you've seen yeah. this guy play before, doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy seeing him play. Right. Uh, I'm not going to put a whole team of rookies out there, and I'm not going to put a whole team of veterans out there because there's two different ways of losing a game. <laughs> yeah. So it's like yeah. you got to have a mix. Like, oh, this guy, this is the young hot shot. We're going to move him up in the lineup. And I love baseball, so this this oh. analogy goes really far for me. But sure. um, say, I get it. Yeah, you know, it's like, hey, let's do some maneuvering within the lineup. You don't have to bench the guy, but, you know, drop him down to eighth. Yeah. Um, pinch hitter. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's endless, this analogy. I love Seinfeld for that stuff, but it's so versatile what he's saying. It's like, yes, I'm going to put my best team out there, and um, that's my best chance of winning, and it's 162 games a year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was thinking about that, like trying to figure out how to – Put stuff together and the arrangement and mm. and I, you you think about saying something and you get a laugh and you think well, should I say this thing next? I have like a rolodex in my head where yeah. I'm thinking like where do I go next? And then I said well what if I tried this and close or what if I open with this? Like I got I saw I saw Hannibal Burris at Caroline's oh I don't know he was. I don't even remember where what stage of his career was, but he was doing well. He was popular and great, you know, great comic or whatever. But I remember seeing him uh, at Caroline's. He did two shows, and I went for the first show. He thought it was he was funny, and then he did the second show. He switched the order around, you know, and I was like, oh, hmm. I was like, all right. He was seeing what the vibe is, but yeah, I yeah. think we all we all do that, but. I, I kind of feel like I like to do the, you know, I'm not just not at the level where, okay, this year I'm doing new. I'm like, nobody knows <laughs> who the hell I am. Like if I, like the people that I like, like the big time comics, like a Louis CK or a, a Bill Burr, they'll every couple years, they do something, you know, like they'll, that's how they keep selling tickets. Right. Right. I don't think anybody is going to go see Jim Gaffigan five years in a row if it was the same show exactly you know yeah. of course that's just and, and when you're in front of your fans they do kind of scrutinize it yeah they did they watch do, your, right they did watch your netflix they are quoting you to their friends they're mm-hmm. gonna recognize it they're gonna recognize that joke yeah and they're- it keeps them coming back and if you love somebody i think you know these it, it's such I would love to be at the level where I'm in front of people who are familiar with my personality and writing style and they like it because it seems like it's a lot easier to come up with a new hour. Sure. Yeah. When you're, you know, when you're, um, you know, you're a master chef and you, this, my, my people love Italian food. So that's what I'm going to do. But there's mm-hmm. a million different Italian foods and I'm going to, you know, next time they come back, I'm going to serve them something different, but it's all going to be Italian. Yeah. yeah. And they love Italian, so they keep coming back. And um, I, I'm a I'm a dyed in the wool set list comic. I don't care if I'm doing um, a whole weekend at a club, like you know, one show Friday, two show Saturday. It's going to be ninety percent the same. Yeah. If I'm closing, if I'm middling, I'll just yeah, I'll I'll, I'll open with what I want to open with, and then I don't know. That's but yeah, if, that's the thing. Yeah, if I'm closing the show, I can't just skip around. Right. And, um, right. I remember some uh, club owners when I first, um, I think, got to be, I guess, a comfortable headlining or just was doing it enough. 
coming from the city, you're still a city comic, even though you're a headliner, I think. If you if you came up in the New York system or yeah. any big, big market. So this club owner said, he goes, you just do 45 minutes worth of bits? And I, well, I guess I sort of like, well, yeah, what other options are there? He's like, oh, I know guys who just... You know they 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 press play and they just do the same they do the same thing every every time so because mm. he asked another comic who came who came after me that that did mix it up he goes how can you do 45 minutes on friday night and then do it like what hannibal burris did yeah how do you do that how do you do that because all of the jokes are sort of independent they stand on their own they're all funny right. they're not all about the same thing but these old road guys and old road women, they would just, they had to do the same thing because they had callbacks and they had yeah. referring to this and that. And like, it doesn't, their act wouldn't make sense if they chopped it up. Right. And, you know, their crowd work was always the same. They had the yeah. Same jokes for crowd work. Every that's, the, that's the fear to not be that guy or yeah. gal. I don't yeah. want to be like them because it's just, yeah. because it's you just, you're no chance, I'll, dude. I'll keep writing and then. And then it's like if you do so pack, those people don't know who I am, but they're gonna get a good set from me. But like, yeah, and, and I'll do what I I'll do the best that I can. So that stuff that I've some of that stuff's new from the last time you saw me, right? And then just thinking like you just kind of it just like a what do you call it like the rings on a tree trunk or whatever on a tree. Yeah, yeah. It just it just grows that way because that's that those are the my given circumstances right now as a comic who has a day job, who has other shit and who has this stuff, but yeah. I'm still going to write. I'm still going to be doing oh, what I need to do, but gotta, man, this is yeah. no time to be complacent at all. Yeah. And it's yeah. still fun. Like I think within the last, I talked about it on the show within the last like year, I've like fallen in love with it deeper, you know? Great. Yeah. Cause it, it, it does become, I, it, I'm not sure if you have friends that have done friends. this. I don't know. I, that, that was not a period. No, that I was the question mark. I, know, I, I don't I know, know if you have friends who know. you see them lamenting and they're torturing themselves about this comedy thing. Yeah. And I feel bad. Like, I really, I was like, hey, this is supposed to be, I mean, it's work, of course. There's some yeah. parts of it that you're not going to enjoy as much as other parts. But come on, man. This is. This is a uh, this is a field of endeavor where you, you know you're supposed to be having fun in front right. of other people, like and people who don't look like they're having fun even when they're doing a set. That's just completely bonkers to me. Yeah. And um, but you know the toiling and the and the writing and I have to do a hundred jokes a week and you know if it works for some people, great. That doesn't work for me. Like I don't really love to have to you know nose to the grindstone type of thing like especially at this stage where you know i think audiences are better too like when the pandemic ended and people mm -hmm. started coming back and they're like oh geez these people laugh at anything yeah they're so much less uh jaded and more willing to give it up now because they had that taste of what it was like not to go out and be convivial with other people and i think it was a huge reset a huge reset you do see you you're very uh positive about it i think i think i agree with you but no i, I don't think a, i never heard a, i have not heard a comic say something like that 
like since it's since we're, we've been able to come back um yeah i haven't really thought about it i just think the laughter is a little bit easier to get really well you're a pro i mean you're what 30 years in now yeah a little more but i'm, I'm talking about even shows that i've watched that i'm oh, not really on. not even just for me okay but i'm at a, yeah i'm at a point where it was you know I guess I'm at the uh, the 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 stage of where I'm a almost like a life event comic. Mm -hmm. Had marriage jokes. That became a lot of my act was marriage. Yeah. And had a kid. A lot of kid jokes. Uh, got divorced. Those are starting to roll in, and it's like, it's not. I don't think. It's not about like uh, my whole set used to be about you know how people would take too many napkins at a deli yeah nobody cares i mean i guess people you know would laugh at it but it was just like my friends would make fun of me they're like hey man did you ever try to do any more observational stuff and then some shit happened to you yeah and then it's just like oh i'll, I'll be uh it was just so much easier to to write it yeah like the divorce stuff i was telling my buddy moody mccarthy mm -hmm. moody mccarthy we worked together last weekend and, you know, I hadn't seen him since my wife and I split up. And he's like, uh, do you have anything in your act? And I was like, it's like a lot. Yeah. It was almost fully formed when it when it came out, because maybe it's a combination that I have more experience now. But it's something like whether you're married or divorced, you know about divorce. You probably have friends who are divorced or your parents were divorced. Like it's not an alien subject. Right. So the jokes were a little bit harder. Like I wanted to make them more original. Obviously, I don't want to be a hack divorce guy, but <laughs> the uh, or a hack anything. Hopefully uh -huh. not. But right. the, these jokes, when when we talk about our lives and we talk about these major things, like I had, you know, my best friend of thirty years just died suddenly. Well, not just, but he did, and you, you can't really write you know you're not going to worry about following another comic who has the same right material and it's, you just can't you can't yeah. worry about it so it's um yeah it's like a little bit less on the notebook a little bit more um i just text things to myself that that happen so i don't forget them because i don't always have a notebook anymore it used to be the you know back pocket with the notebook um, but now with phones like the other night I was out and my I was with a couple of my friends and one of them said, man, I hate these paper straws. And the other friend said, I hate those metal ones too. And I said, if only there was something in the middle. <laughs> so that's not really that funny. I appreciate yeah. you laughing. I was like, hmm, should I ever, should I ever do that on stage? But it's know. in my, it's like I have my, that's the only thing I text to myself is joke ideas and where I parked. You know, that's what I do. Yeah. yeah, I scroll back and I have joke ideas and parking spots and a couple other reminders. But um, like, yeah, I mean, you know how it is, dude. Yeah. Do I decide what's funny? I don't know. I wish I had that confidence. I I have my fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, I, think, I don't know. I think, until element, says I think you do. I think you're not giving yourself enough enough credit i mean you've been doing it 30 plus years there has to be you know what's what you're gonna do on stage you know what i mean like you have right. well yeah i i don't bomb 10 minutes in a row yeah i might right. have jokes that don't work mm -hmm. once in a while inexplicably 
um, but they've always worked somewhere else or some other time. And there are a couple of things that, oh, geez, I was just going back through. Oh, I, I, I you know, I, I don't like to pound the shit out of something and, you know, forge it and make it work. Like if it doesn't work yeah. the first couple of times or three times, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I had the, I have this thing about because maybe because I'm so ne- negatively charged about it. But when bands do a farewell tour and they're literally like the Eagles had their first farewell tour in like 1984 or something like mm-hmm. that. And they're still doing it. They're still out there. And, yeah. you know, I, I think it's a it's a ripoff, you know, selling. Uh, like, hey, this is the last time you're going to get to see us. And everybody goes and the ticket prices are jacked up and then they do it again and people do it again. I'm like, what are you they fucking stupid? Yeah. So it's like, you know, your uh, farewell reunion tour. And I had like these yeah. t-shirts, like a t-shirt idea that said farewell reunion tour or, you know, all the, and just like, ah, well, I think you and I are both finding out right now why it didn't work as a joke. It's really not that funny, but well, I have a joke. Like I have a joke about R Kelly that I have the title <laughs> for and I have, I have, I've, I've done it several times. There's you have a title for it, the joke. Huh? Is that where you start? You have a title for the joke. I've, I said? see it. I see it on the track list. Okay, <laughs> it's one of those where it's <laughs> like I see it. On the, it's called the Requiem for R. Kelly. Okay, it's okay. about him, but it's not about. It's more about society than it is him. Like it's okay. like he was wrong for what he did, but it's like. But what what part did we play in it? Mm. And it's like I I had this comparison that I that I think is fucking beautiful, and it worked a couple times. But the one time it really worked was like the night before Kobe died. It was 2020, and Ooh. I got I was in I was at Laugh It Up Poughkeepsie. Somebody had fallen out. I got to headline. They they asked me to headline, and I fucking ripped it, and I haven't been back since. But, um, but. <laughs> they're waiting for another cancellation. Exactly. But that, another, exactly. That, no, not to jump in. I feel like I've been sort of uh, over talking here, but but uh, that's why that's why you're on the show. So you can headlining talk. is way easier to get bits to work. Also, incidentally, yeah, like the the crowd is ready. They're sort of, especially in this country, they're conditioned, which is a real shame because even as close as Canada, it's not like this. The first person sucks. The second person's all right. And then the headliner's always good. Yeah. But like in Canada, they have headliners MC. So mm-hmm. somebody goes up and kills to start yeah. the show. And then the middle has an easy time and the headliner has an easy time. Like the Borgata. Yeah. All headliners. Yeah. And, you know, you should start the show strong. But as a comic... I think it's easier to get material to like a joke that might completely tank if you're hosting mm-hmm. and get a four out of 10 if you're middling, we'll get a seven or eight or above if you're closing. Yeah. Especially if you're killing. Like if you, if you're killing as a closer and you want to try a new joke, that's a pretty good time to do it. And if it doesn't work when you're having a good set in the last spot on the show, it's probably not that good. Yeah. But that's how you accumulate. It's like a, it's, you know, a snowball type of, you know, people say to me once in a while, holy shit, I hadn't heard any of that before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I've been closing a lot. So I have a lot of time to try new stuff. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it's, it's, you get a lot more wiggle room and you're like, 
a lot of the time you don't even have, you don't even get the light like you don't you can stay on for an extra five or seven or more minutes if you're doing good the clubs love that they trust so like you a uh, yeah. yeah what's going on here okay of course landscaping oh i can't hear. suburbs here okay, i was, I was gonna say before we start i'm supposed to have a ups package delivered but it's i haven't heard anything so we'll see but but one thing you touched on that i want to highlight you said like when a life event happens to you some of that stuff comes out easier than when you're trying to write it down is that because it's coming from it's it's not as cerebral it's more coming from coming from the heart exactly exactly it's you're living it so you don't have to say or at least i should talk about you know my own experience I haven't had to, for those life event jokes or whatever you want to talk about, um, however you want to put it, the it's, it's from a different, a different place. Yeah. It's not, um, you know, a quirky observation. Uh, I was walking down the street and I saw this and that made me think this, and those jokes require perfect wording because they're not really intrinsically that, you know, interesting. Yeah. But having a kid is, you know, almost a universal experience. Right. That people connect to. And I think there's almost like a, a, uh, uh, an anticipation from the crowd is like, oh, I wonder what this person is going to say about this, because I've heard so many comedians say so many things about this topic. What's their take on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So many people do it because it's it's it comes out almost like with your own sort of signature stamp on it. it of course, it's a divorce joke, but it's you know, a you divorce joke. Like yeah. I have one where I say, you know, I, I, I just got divorced. The final papers came through two weeks ago and I'm keeping my last name for now, but uh, blah, blah, blah. And somebody said, that's an Andy Pitts divorce joke. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, don't ask me where that one came from, but it, it just came out on stage one night because, um, you know, it just, I think it's funny because I've heard women say that all the time. Right. And right. then I'm like, hey, you never heard of a guy, you never heard a guy say that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. and the first time I did it, I didn't have any confidence that it would work. And I almost, I started the next joke too quickly because it got such a big response. And I'm like, oh, I got to take my time on that one. Maybe that's a little bit better of a line that I'm giving myself credit for, which, you know, happens. Yeah. Um, and, and even the, the other good thing about these personal jokes and these life event jokes is if they start to go downhill or something, if you're doing them and, you start to lose the audience it's so much easier to just get them back by talking about what you're talking about like if you have a free a joke like an observational joke about um whatever it is or a word dictionary based joke if that bombs that's it you have to do that thing like oh so what else is going on (laughs) yeah right you can't really extend it or you can say you know we're the the personal the life event jokes like, for instance, like if I'm talking about my daughter doing something that's bombing and it's like, you know, you guys don't even care that I'm talking about my kid here. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, there's a million things you can do, but you're just like it's it's built in that you can just talk emotionally about whatever you're talking about and try to get them back or, you know, at least refocus them and 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 get pissed that they're not laughing at something personal. You can't get pissed. Yeah. And laugh at, uh, you know, folding socks joke. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah, because it's 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 being connected to your material. Um, because I, I never really wrote jokes, 
I started saying stuff into my phone and then seeing how that felt just like cool. this is when I didn't know anything. And <laughs> then I just like was just saying stuff into my phone. And then when I went to my first open mic, just to see what would work and all that. And then you, you played remember, your phone into the mic. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then just did some people have done shit like that before. Oh, sure. Uh, but like, I guess I remember seeing a video where because I'm, I'm a big hip hop fan. And you've heard of Drake, right? Yes. So Drake is like super pop and he's like a he's a megastar. Yeah. But I remember he would he would so he would write his rhymes down. Some some people say that he doesn't write, but I remember him having his Blackberry and he had the rhymes in his phone. <laughs> I'm not saying he was the first person to do that, but I just right. remember he had he Drake kind of was on the rise around when I started. And I remember Jay-Z never wrote anything down. Like Jay-Z would just go freestyle. Yeah, he would just completely he'd hear the he'd hear the song and then he'd go in and start rapping. And you know, he's not tweaking. Right. And I would just so what I would have was just like bullet points where I want to talk about this, I want to talk about that. That's so great. Yeah. And then and then like I and then I think I remember hearing Patrice O'Neill say something like, Well, if you don't remember the joke it's probably not funny yeah something like that like it's not funny anymore you just don't do it sure move past it you get Um, sick of it you get bored of it yeah right and so i would just like if i had like um like this new there's a a bit about like i want to talk about wanting to have a kid thinking about feeling like this pursuit of show business dedicating so much of my life to it like Oh, I, some of my friends have kids that are 16, 17, and like they have, then I have a friend that was taught. It was just, I'm thinking about, well, what should I do? And then I have something that I want to connect it to that was already funny, but I said, let me try to add this to show more of who I am to kind of open up a little more and make references that I think would be good. That sounds promising. You're using other people's life events. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you see that you see this stuff. You see people. This is my kid, my my college roommate. He has a daughter that's 16, and it's just like I remember holding her. Yeah, as oh. a baby, yeah. and it's like Jesus Christ, and she's like fucking playing soccer. And it's just like, <laughs> and it's just like she sounds like her dad. Her dad used to play basketball, but wow. she sounds like her dad on the soccer court. On a soccer field, soccer court. Oh my <laughs> but it was, it was just, it was like, holy shit. And then you he- then you see something that was like, ooh, maybe it's good that I don't have one. You see a mom yelling oh, at her uh, kid. Yeah. And oh, it's like, um, maybe I'm just good with my PlayStation 5, you know? Yeah, dude. It, yeah. It, it, it's one of those <laughs> grass is always greener type. Yeah. Things, yeah. You know? But it's. I, I was I was driving today and I just I saw um, there was a mom in the front seat and there was another female driving and there were two kids in car seats and this woman reached back in between the seats and she was just like like whacking this kid in the leg. Oh shit! And and I was pulling up and it was like so noticeable. Like I saw it through the window, and I do that stuff with my daughter all the time. But I'm like joking around and smiling. Yeah. And um, you know, I pulled up and I of course I'm gonna. F- fucking look at this woman and she was not smiling and that was not fun right and i was about a millisecond from honking my horn just to get her to roll down the window and say hey 
do you mind not like smacking the shit out of your kid while he's strapped into a car seat? Like, but yeah. this is a woman I will never see again. I don't know what went into the situation. I don't know, but it's like when you're a parent, it's like judging other parents becomes a full-time thing. There's no way you can't do it. People say right. that you, you're not going to do it or it, it happens. And yeah. you know, it, for people who don't have kids, which is totally great and valid and awesome and whatever works for anybody else. But when, when uh, I hear a comic talking about kids and they don't have kids, I almost immediately tune out <laughs> because it's never a positive thing. It's never, I've never heard of a comic and I'm sure maybe they're out there. It just doesn't, it's not on my radar. Yeah. 100% of the the comics who say, they say, you know, I don't have kids and I don't because they're assholes and they're brats and they suck. Yeah. I'm glad. Um, you had a different thing. You're like, well, maybe I couldn't. I think I did it that night. I think I did it that night. Okay. I was probably scrambling to try to get the other X. No, that was for, I was closing it out. That was the end of the end of the night. Oh, but, you're right. You're right. But I had, I had just, just wasn't um, watching. yeah, it's just, it's, <laughs> dude, I don't, I'm not expecting you to watch my, and you watch my set. Fuck you, man. No, did no, no. You see that one bit I did about the, uh, sorry. No, no, I, I did it there. You've been around long enough, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did it. I did it there. And it got a laugh. It 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 went well, but I was thinking of something else to the add college to roommate, it. the college roommate joke. Uh that well, well yeah. It, well, the one was just about my best friend hearing, listening to him talk to his daughter. Okay, because I called him on his birthday. I've done it a few times. It's just a it's a new bit, and and it was just like it was so beautiful, like him talking, even him like. So hold on, Chris, and him talking to his daughter like <laughs> she had she had an apron on because she was making him a birthday cake or something. Okay, and he was I was like, Ugh. I was like, oh my yeah. god, that's so, that you like. I wish I was there. Yeah, so it's like so that's where I'm like where I'm looking at it at that angle, and then you see something that happens like like what you just described, and it's like, ugh. oh Maybe yeah, I, a lot of those too, a lot of ugh. yeah. Too so much, it's, you know. It's and that's a beautiful moment, but then, no, we don't. I don't. I'm not privy to what happens when she's she's crying or having a tantrum or anything. But that moment is a a beautiful moment, and it's from a guy who I admire, and then and where who I think he's a a great guy. So it's like that's there, but then you but then there's also the other stuff. But I use I was using that as an end to say, man, am I? what am i doing but that college yeah. friend like that was that was just like wow like that's that's amazing too you know i remember i remember leaving his i've said this story talked about this before but he's the same guy that i remember leaving his like wedding reception early to go do stand-up hmm. and that was when I, the first year around that was like i was maybe two or three months in you know i remember wow. leaving yeah i remember leaving that <laughs> two or three months in yeah leaving that thing and now his daughter is like about to go to she's oh. probably going to get a college scholarship to play soccer amazing yeah so it's like it's it's really you think about and i and i and i've talked about this a bunch of times when before my dad died the last real conversation we had he was in the hospital 
and he didn't want me to come down to see him and because he because I was working and stuff and he you know I was doing that show on Broadway and everything mm-hmm. and he asked me was I happy hindsight is always 2020 I had a feeling that he was dying but uh and so you lied and said yes I said no I said yeah I'm happy I said you know I I'm happy with my life and I mentioned my my friend my college roommate saying like you know I see some people have kids and stuff and that's cool I wonder if I did it right I said but overall I'm happy with the life that I chose for myself that I'm everything that I wanted to do when I was a kid I've done it already I've literally done it already do I want to do it at a higher level of course I do but I'm still happy with my life yeah so and I wasn't I mean I think he could tell if I was lying he was oh yeah it's your it's your dad yeah he would he would know and I and uh his I remember last words, his last words to you were bullshit. <laughs> I think his last words was he was trying to figure out how to uh, watch a streaming show. <laughs> That'll kill anybody sometimes. And he said, he's like, oh, do you, do you he asked me something about a TV show because I, I bought him a Roku player so he could have I could share my passwords and stuff with him and for my streaming. <laughs> and he was he was asking me about this one show. He was like, "Can I watch Stars on this?" I said, oh, and I think the past, you know, they sometimes you have to reset stuff and he didn't know how to reset. So, did it did he pass away while you were there or was he it died, overnight or something? He died Chris 2 days after Christmas in 2021. Okay. And he was he was at home. He was supposed to okay, go to the doctors that day. Okay, he was at home. Yeah, he was. That's he wanted to go home. I think he just wanted to die at home. Yeah, that that's the way to do it, man. Yeah, and yeah. he said, and he and he would just asked me about uh, because he wasn't really talking to people that much. He gave my mom his phone, his cell phone, and he, <laughs> you know, he he just kind of. Uh, Louis C.K. has a bit on his latest special where he said, "Like, oh shit, this is bad." Well, he was saying how he was saying how you he said nobody gets two good parents. I think I had two great parents, but one is a little more than the other one. And he said the good parent will just like say, "Okay, I'll get out of the way. I'm gonna die." And that's wh- who my dad. That's what my dad did. I'm just gonna get out. The other one yeah, just yeah. stays and stays and just gonna be. And I don't want anything to happen to my mother. I'm gonna see her. She's healthy. She is healthy okay. for the most part. And, and, and <laughs> okay. Whatever she, that means. She can do certain things that would make her life a lot better, but she, okay. doesn't, she right. doesn't want to do it. All right. But uh, so I was thinking about that and I was like, God damn, that's real. Because if you haven't lost a parent, you don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah. And when he said that, I was like, fuck. <laughs> Shit, he's right. Yeah. He's oh, that's right. a hilarious joke. Yeah, it's like, and I'm not doing it too much. I'm just giving you a, you know, a ballpark thing. Well, but he, but I was thinking so about, good, you I know, I was thinking about that, like, you know, he, because when he, he knew that I was, I was proud. I knew that he was proud of me and we loved each other. So I, I have solace at that. But part of me wishes that I didn't listen to him and we just went on down there. Because we didn't have much of a Christmas break for the the show that I was in. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, and he he cared about all he cared about was work. So he loved he didn't I don't know how much he loved work, but that was important to him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, 
And if you, you know, I would be like 42 years old, 40, 40 years old. And I'd say like, oh, yeah, I took today off. You what? <laughs> you know what I mean? In my adult life why? as an adult, why'd why? you take off? Just because I was dying? Come on. Not even him dying. No, it yeah. would just be when he was all right. Just like, yeah, I took, so, oh, you're going to take the day off? Really? Yeah. yeah. You know, they just kind of. A little pushback. Yeah. Oh, that's just school. That's just the way to be. Like, yeah. I've heard so many stories. Now. I like, it's sort of, I don't want to be that guy who's like, what's the world coming to? But I have a, there was this kid. He was a kid at the time. Him and his brother, I used to babysit them. They were my uh, friend's kids, two sons, and they were nine and 11. And now they're, oh, wow. you know, this was what, 12, 15. 12 to 15 years ago, I watched them for three whole summers. So they're grown up now. They have jobs. And one of them works in an office. And I'm sitting there having dinner at his place with his mom. And my daughter was there. And he was telling us the story. He's like, yeah, this, you know, my boss didn't come into work uh, yesterday at all. And then he didn't come in today until like 1230. And so I'm like, well, why? It's like, well, he's, you know, he's got anxiety okay and it's like he comes in and he's like yeah you know it's just terrible anxiety i couldn't get uh couldn't get to the office until 12 30 and i'm probably not going to come in tomorrow because huh. it's anxiety and like not exact words but just like and that's okay in this workplace atmosphere yeah. that we've created because right. so it was kind of funny because I forgot to mention that my 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 friend's mom was there too who lives in the house and she's I don't know exactly but she's probably in her 70s and uh she's very uh she's been around. Yeah. And, and I was saying like can you can you do that? Like can you just say I have anxiety? Like how do you not get fired? <laughs> and she goes cuz he'll sue them. Yeah. <laughs> for firing him for having this, you know, widely recognized um you know, health problem. It's right. a health problem now. It's like everybody's right. got anxiety. My daughter's got anxiety. I probably have anxiety, but I don't. I don't think that it's um, unhealthy to have it because it keep it keeps you doing stuff. Like you, yeah. there should be some level of anxiety, and it's like you. I don't know what like what is going to happen with. Um, who knows if it's just in the United States or not? How prevalent can that get where somebody's just like, they just come into work when they want? Yeah. It's just because, because of anxiety. And it's such like, you know, it's not something that you can tell somebody like, you don't put a thermometer in their mouth and say like, if you don't have anxiety, you can come in. Like, it's not a measurable <laughs> thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a person's own opinion. It's like when people go on disability because they have a, a bad back. Right. Like, well, if, if you if if there's a two thousand dollar a week check coming, I still have a bad back. Like, ow, you know, you can't really see anything wrong with it. Even yeah. X-rays can't show it. But what's going on with this? Like, you know, so I'm sure there's been times where you didn't want to go to work. But yeah. you did because your dad told you or instilled in you. And it's like, don't be I hate to say it, but like, don't be such a, a fucking wuss. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like if you go to work, everybody's got anxiety there right so, like, you're not special you don't get to like not work and yeah. since when does not working make your anxiety better like i would say yeah. go to work 
and 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 try to burn off some anxiety or like, like take your mind off it or do something like, no, yeah sitting yeah. around has got to be the worst thing right for, you know but but it's it in this office at least i'm not saying that this is you know a you know an epidemic proportion thing but you can't say that this is the only guy that's doing this i mean it, it, he knows that it's it's out there that it's okay for him to say like well i you know, I have, I have anxiety and I'm coming in, uh, you know, I, I didn't come in until 1230 and then <laughs> he's got anxiety and that there's no follow-up questions. It's yeah. just, it's the end of the conversation. Oh, okay. He's got anxiety. You know how he is with the anxiety. It's a rules his life, but there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing anybody can do about it. And the guy gets to keep his job. Everybody else is anxious because they're doing his work. Mm-hmm. Where's their anxiety like my my you know the kid that i used to babysit he's like i gotta step up and do all this stuff for my boss because he's out with anxiety now i'm at, i have anxiety right like right. i said well, you should go home mm-hmm. just tell him you have extra anxiety from filling in for your boss doing this like, where, work. where does it end yeah yeah, it's a thing, man. It's it's uh there's a balance. I think there should be balance in everything, but when there are people who abuse that stuff. Totally. I've, I've worked with people who who've done that or who've oh. milked who've milked their milking it. possibly milked their disability and they are not at the place, they're not there anymore. So it's yeah, it's just a fine line. But that I think that work work ethic is kind of what I put into into my craft as an artist, yeah. Andy. I try to you know, it's and sometimes it's work that people don't always see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think it served me, but I think at at I probably would have liked to have uh, been with my dad before. You know, but there was a time. So he September of twenty twenty one was the last time I was home before he died, and I had a weekend off where I could before the rehearsals for the show started. And I just went down there and surprised both my parents. And that was great to do. That's to have cool. Where is, that. where is that? Maryland. Oh, right okay. outside of, yeah, right outside of DC. All right. And uh, when he. he and you had, were coming from Chicago? No, I, well, I went, I was coming from Jersey here in Jersey. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I, I trained in Chicago. Good, then you did that. Then don't yeah. worry about the other one. Yeah, I think, you know, part of me thinks about that. And I, we he and i had a great relationship we i talked to him i i talked to him every day him and my mom much to my detriment in a lot of ways because my mother thinks that like you know i gotta tell her where i'm at i'm like i'm 43 mom i said that's a that's a common courtesy that's like a lot of moms don't get that from their adult child you know and i enjoy it while you can brother yeah that's what i'm yeah that's true so I, that part of me feels that way, too, because she could, you know, if things go the way they're, quote unquote, supposed to go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like there's you're saying be she's a, a high risk person. No, no, no. There's just going to be a time where she's not there, just like yes. where my dad's not here. And so right. it's like as much as. um, You, you know, I, I love her so. And it's sometimes that love is shown by the things that you do, I think that that is that love language that god i didn't know we we're going to be talking about this yes it's but, you're, you're an act of service person. yeah with yeah so it's kind of like i take i do i do take pride in that and uh because i you saw, should yeah 
So it's it's um, the other half of the equation is if that's her love language or if she can appreciate it, because sometimes it's lost on people that don't register. Yeah, yeah. it's a little it's a mix of it for me all the time. Like you're stupid, but <laughs> they don't understand it. They yeah. don't speak that language. That, that's not the language they speak. They're a different one. Yeah. Whatever and I think that's that's how it was for their my mother's side of the family. And I think my dad broke those generational. What do you call that shit? What's the psych? I don't know. He broke those. I don't know if it's necessarily a curse, but to be vulnerable and open. Yes. Uh, with me. Right. And so I had that. My mother was a nurturer when I was a kid. Uh, and everything like a mom she did what a mom's supposed to do she's a great mother but that from my father's generation that male i don't know that male uh toughness and bravado i think he exhibited that he had that but he was also a sweet guy and he yeah, was also that... i could all, i could talk to him about anything yeah him so, telling you not to come and see him is like the classic yeah dad move yeah and, and so if he really meant it or not but you know i think he did because i think not. that sounds like something i would say no but I, he, don't he said, don't i'm you know don't don't inconvenience yourself and well he said i i said i'm your father you listen to me <laughs> there he, he goes. said that and he yeah. has it and in my adult life i don't he's never really had to tell me that as a kid but he said that yeah before he died i yeah. said listen to me because i remember talking to him one time he said uh i said are you sicker i are you sicker than you're letting on he said no i'm not <laughs> that was a, such a yes <laughs> i'm like oh fuck. how dare you and i happened to be reading that pre-slap will smith book he was talking about his dad dying i was reading I read Giannis Antetokounmpo's bio. His dad died. I was reading this woman. Uh, this was like while I'm backstage at the play, you know, reading books and stuff. Right. I'm looking at the book right now. Kate Fagan, who's a a writer. She used to write for ESPN, and she's like a sports writer. She's a good writer. She her her book I just read was that at the time was about her losing her dad to mm. ALS, and mm. for some reason that's where my headspace was. Is that what happened with your dad? No, he didn't have ALS. He okay. he might have had a little bit of Parkinson's, but he had like he had cancer. Okay. He had like leukemia, oh, like goodness. blood cell stuff, and that he, you know, dude, I'm but, sorry, man. That's oh yeah, it's it sucks, but I'm uh horrible. But it just, yeah, it, it fucking sucks. But anyway, um, I don't know how we got there. We got there, but I've. I don't want this podcast to be Chris talks about his dead dad. All the time. <laughs> I think we were talking about work ethic for a while. Work e yeah. And work um, ethic. The, how yeah. the, the scope of it is changed. That scope. I hate that. Yeah. Word. The, it's just, these are things that have, because between me and my kid, she was, I was 44 when she was born. So this okay. isn't like a 20 year old or a 22 year old having a kid. Like there's. Yeah almost two generations between her generation and my generation. So all of this stuff is kind of magnified. Mm -hmm. because Talk about, oh, go ahead. Talk about being an older dad. Cause that's what I think about. Like I'm on these dating apps and I think some of these women, uh, 
I don't know if I should like if I want to have a kid, they got to be a certain age range. Yeah, they do. And the but the ones I'm attracted to are in like like early 40s. Well, I think a lot of them already have kids, and maybe maybe you can step in. Man, I don't know about that. It won't be really the baby father, my yeah. my kid. You know, yeah, that's that's gotta get hairy, I'm sure. But yeah, I think I had, I became a father at the right time. I don't think I was ready to be a father in my 20s or even my 30s. Okay. So my ex was like her mom was 40. When, she, when when my daughter was born and a very healthy person yeah so um we were you always get ready when you need to be ready but we were you know it took us a long time to even you know conceive the kid it was like over five years on and off okay so you know i could have been if, if it worked like right off the bat i think i would have been 38 or 39 that's all my dad was yeah and that's so still kind of old you know, yeah you know i know people who've had kids later than 44 like yeah a couple people who they were like 50 when their kid was kid was born it's always Mm -hmm. the dad of course but right 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 you know it's whatever age you are like being older dad i think like i take care of myself i do a lot of like active stuff i swim i always you know make sure that i'm in good physical condition because it could break down at any moment like if i if i get lax for a couple weeks it 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 takes a long time to come back from that yeah um, now, to be honest with you, a little bit easier. I only have my daughter three nights or four nights a week, like every other week. Mm-hmm. So um, I do have plenty of time to myself and rest and stuff like that. I mean, I speak to her every day and she's getting to this age where, you know, these preteen years, like she's the time that we parent her has totally ratcheted up because mm-hmm. she needs more parenting. Right. Uh, like the different kind of parenting 11 yeah she's 11 and fifth grade yep yeah going into middle school getting getting all that stuff ready and all the stuff you 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 know yeah it's all starting with like the drama and the friends and the even like boys mixed in there you know it's happening it's it's inevitable it's gonna happen but if i was in my 30s and smoking weed every day and you know going and doing comedy i would not have been anywhere near as qualified and i'm still working on it yeah i was nowhere near ready you know my finances are much better 10 years later Mm -hmm. Uh, you know every it makes it a lot easier i don't care what anybody says yeah yeah um i was thinking about that because i was swiping away at the apps and i'm like i need to Cause it's not even about being a creep. It's about what you want. And I was just talking to a, a good friend, comedian yeah. friend today. And he's like, no, you gotta do what you want. Not like you're trying to hurt somebody, but it's like be intentional. So if you want to have a kid, you maybe you need to kind of, we weren't talking about that. We were actually talking about, we were talking about dating and like what you want to do, what what your intents are, intentions are with that person. But because um, I was talking to, well, I, I don't know who's going to listen anyway. But we were talking about that and it was just kind of like, yeah, that is that's right. That is right. You need to have these intentions. And that's where everything comes from. Yeah. And, you know, many years ago, a therapist said something to me. He said, you know, there was this uh, 
a story that they use in therapy all the time. It's about this guy who, uh, he has a young child, he's married and a war breaks out mm-hmm. and he wants to go and fight in the war because he believes in it. And his wife begs him not to go. He wants to go. She doesn't want him to go. Mm-hmm. She goes, he said, what do you think is best for the marriage? And I said, if she wants him to stay, he should stay. And he said, that's the wrong answer. And so he explained it to me that both people in that scenario will respect the guy more for doing what he wants Mm -hmm. and not just staying behind because of what the woman wants. And I I think maybe not the best example because he could get his head blown off, which is... You know, and then orphan the kid, not orphan the kid, but the kid will be fatherless. Like, that's a legitimate concern for the woman. Like, just say, like, uh, it would be like a career or something where I'm going to, I want to be, you know, a a traveling salesman. Mm -hmm. Well, you shouldn't because I want you to stay at home. Okay, honey, I'll stay at home. The guy's going to be miserable and the woman doesn't respect him because she's like, oh, I can tell this guy whatever I want, whatever I want him to do with his life, he's going to do it. So it's a little counterintuitive to say, like, I was like, well, you know, and this is probably what, you know, part of what went wrong in my relationship. I was like, how can she possibly be mad that he did what she wanted? And he's like, because she knows that he didn't want to do it and he gave it up because she wanted it and he's Mm -hmm. pissed and she's pissed or resentful, not as, not totally like pissed, pissed, but sure. it, it breeds resentment. Right. Yeah. And or, or it came from, you know, my, my marriage is over. I can talk about this stuff. But when I first got together with, you know, my ex, when we were boyfriend and girlfriend, I had just gotten out of a six year relationship, like a year and a half or so before. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not really a marriage type of guy. And that's what kind of broke up my girlfriend at that time and me before I met my ex. She's like, that's okay. That's cool. Chill. I don't want to be on that. A few years later, four years later, I want to get married. I said, okay. Got married. But I don't want kids. I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. and I don't want to be a dad. Oh, no, I don't want to have kids. I just want to get married. Okay. Uh, 14 years later. She wanted to have a kid and I agreed to it and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Right. I think about, you know, what I did that was not right was whenever she would get angry with me or there would be a bad situation between us, I would go back to, look, I did everything you wanted to do in life. You didn't want to, I didn't want to get married. You did. I did it. You didn't. You said you didn't want to have a kid. You changed your mind on that. And I did. I went along with you to make you happy. And it's not the healthiest way to go. So if you're on apps or whatever, if I can give you any advice, like your friend said, be clear on what you want and stick to it. Because if you go along with what somebody else wants, you both lose. You're both fucked. Yeah. Yeah. It might be okay for a while. And in my yeah. case, it worked out because my daughter's the best thing in both of our lives. I think right. I can speak for her, even though my, you know, her mom and me are not together anymore. It's still like y'all did something right. 
it's the best like yeah. it, she's she's a handful and she's getting to be more of a handful but you know especially up through you know when the pregnancy and when they're really little and you know all that stuff was great and and people who know me say i cannot believe that you ever said you didn't want to have a kid because i didn't know like i didn't right i didn't know how great it would be i didn't know that i would be the person that i am i didn't believe in myself i didn't think i could handle it but yeah the, the underlying resentment or the animosity that's kind of like low-key it's always in the background w was me towards my ex saying hey I, I'm going along with all of the shit you wanted to do and you're still not happy. So it's your fault. Yeah. So cautionary tale. Well, my fear is I had good parents. I am not going to be, I can't, can I be as good as them? I remember, I remember saying, cause the, the man in your life is who you, who you model yourself after. And I remember telling my dad on uh, probably Father's Day a couple of years ago. I said, you know, if I could be a quarter of the man you are, then I'd be doing okay. That's a nice compliment. Yeah, and he cried. But That's great, he, I, cry, I, he cries on he, that. He was a dude that could cry. Yeah, and he. I'm always bawling. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. It is because if if somebody was in, if we'd be in church or somebody could sing really well he would get emotional or yeah oh that's sweet and then he would say i still fuck you up though you yeah know, exactly I... yeah <laughs> he'd say <laughs> you cry because <laughs> because because toxic masculinity right yeah you know? yeah yeah he'd say hey don't 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 mistake this for weakness punk. exactly and i <laughs> yeah exactly Dude, so if you wanted to do i mean we I was in the opposite boat because I would do the opposite. Or I was in a different boat than you because I would do the opposite of what my, I, I would not want to be a billionth of the man that my dad was. Yeah. I didn't aspire to that. I, my motivation was to be the complete um, 180 away from him. Mm -hmm. you know, abusive, alcoholic, irresponsible. Um, nobody liked him. Wow. Um, you know, so it's just sort of like, well, there's a model for the behavior, but yeah, this is what I'm not going to do. Right. And um, those are easy to avoid. Like you're not a fucking hero. If you don't beat the shit out of your kid, <laughs> you know, like that's a, it's a low bar. Yeah. And so you sound like you're having uh, higher bar issues. Like, yeah. You're worried if you can live up to what your dad did, but if you're his kid, and he did it with you. There's no reason that you can't be any, you know, even, you know, a different more. I think it could be a better dad because he didn't have all the information available to him that, that we have now. Yeah. Like if, if you run into trouble, just go on YouTube. <laughs> that is or, true. You go yeah. on a chat AI, you know, the, the, put yeah. it into AI. Like you, you are an expert at fatherhood. Yeah. My, your kid did this how do you respond you're gonna get a great answer your dad couldn't do that he was just thinking back to what his dad did and whether he wanted to emulate that or you know go the other route so yeah you, you have all the you know you have all the 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 information and the tools and the genetics and i wouldn't worry about like that would be the probably the worst reason not to have a kid 
if you really do like the reason being that you're you don't think you'll be as good of a parent as you, as your father was like that's not yeah. that doesn't work for me personally uh, i yeah i i was thinking about that i mean i i don't know it, it's a lot it's a lot of fear involved uh, and i i guess um i don't know it's it's I talking to you now just made me think of that. Like, I wonder, like, if I can be that that good, if I can make those sacrifices, because there was I was having a heart to heart conversation with my mother on sat this past Saturday. It's like almost one of those special episodes of a teen soap, <laughs> except I'm 43. And I told I told my mom I had this. It was over the phone. I had this monologue about it. I said, you ought to be you ought to be proud of me. She is. But there was things where she's like, you, you got to remember who I am. Remember who I am. Remember this track record of what I've done, what you've done for me, where you set up the plan. You allow me to be on the playing field with people that had more opportunities and more, more given to them where I had to get things out of the mud more than other people did. Mm -hmm. And put me on that platform. But then, you know, I, I was I was thinking like, Cause there was, there was a time and I talked about this on the show before. I don't care if people heard it before, but you haven't. Um, no. I was on this, had a small part on this Broadway show. It was opening night. The night before opening night, we had rehearsal and I was driving into the city and I'm like, I'm in New York city going to a broad rehearsal for a Broadway show. And I got emotional. Yeah. Dang. And then and then what they did, they did before the I think it was before like the they did some kind of ceremony. If it was your first time on Broadway, they <laughs> one of the the head actors, the the main Simon Russell Beale, Google him. Amazing actor. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think he won the Tony. They did win the Tony for that part he played. Anyway, he said everybody's names who was making their Broadway debut. And I remember opening. I remember like maybe it was opening right before open opening night i was running errands getting stuff and i was on my way home i was about to turn into my uh exit and i started just getting really emotional tearing up uh -huh. and i called my parents and i thanked them for everything they did for me wow. and and i was bawling and uh my parents are of a time where you know like i told you about my dad my they would get emotional but my dad he said they're kind of antiseptic in a lot of ways, and my, <laughs> right. which is kind of funny because my dad said, well, you know, uh, you're my kid. And uh, I tried to give you a life that you wanted and uh, that you take you're sitting there bawling. And he's like, you know, yeah, the, the, the customary. Uh, yeah. Check off boxes. Well, he he did cry. I, he cried when I booked uh, a part on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, my first sad gig my first real yeah, that's great because like i and i got cut from that episode <laughs> whatever but they eventually had me i actually they don't do this for people who aren't famous they had me back on the show like they were trying to get right? me back on the oh, show man. and they did but he, i remember him both of us crying on the phone about that but i think he might have teared up a little bit but he said he just said that was my job he said my job was to make sure that you had what you needed and my mother is a little more, she's very stoic in a lot of ways. Yeah. And she said, you know, that's what, that's what we were supposed to do. And, 
you know so (laughs) yes i was like "Eh," i was like "Eh, yeah yeah god all the time that's a tough one man that's a tough one yeah so it's just it's kind of like you took them off guard too i'm sure they were sitting around playing cards and uh, all of a sudden you dropped the bomb on them even though good bomb i'm sure he was just like watching tv in the den or something but (laughs) You know, it was just it was just one of those things where I was a I appreciated what they did for me and everything. And it's just like, wow, can I can I do that? Can I step up to the plate? I'm probably sure I could, but yeah, man. You're just worried about meeting the right person and that's the most important thing. Yeah. Like for all of this stuff that's happened between my ex and I, when it comes to my kid, we are a hundred percent on the same page and it's not even hard to do it. It's just effortlessly. We will always be her parents. Right. And you know, we are two educated people with, you know, a certain degree of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to, you know, turn her against the other person or blame the divorce on the other person. Like these things happen. It's so crazy. Yeah. that, That, parents turn their kids against each other or use their kids as a a power move in some stupid uh you know try to accomplish something and you know neither of us need to get any money out of the other one Mm -hmm. like that was a big thing we're just like look we're gonna we're gonna call off this marriage it's gonna be over how can we do this as quickly and painlessly as we can Mm -hmm. and you know then we did and it was, you know, still took a long time, some money. Yeah. But, you know, the, these people that drag out, like, you don't seem like, the reason I'm saying this is like, you don't, worst case scenario, you fall in love with somebody, have a kid, and it doesn't work out between you and the other person. You don't yeah. seem like the type of person that would drag somebody in yeah to court and blow all the money you've ever made on some lawyer's fees to get to the same destination as you would if you just agreed on it yeah you need to pick the right person right so that doesn't happen to you like for all of her faults i never for one second mistrusted my ex to be like a psycho to come and key my car yeah or to not have my kid show up when she was supposed to like that, that sort of thing is, you know, they say the person that you choose to do these things with is is the biggest decision of your life. And that's so true. Like, yeah. I have friends who just fucking nightmares mm. uh, people, you know. I have a friend who's with a guy whose ex is the biggest uh, psychopath in the world. And it's like, she's not even in the, she was never in the relationship, but it affects her because it comes at her all the time through this other person. And it's like, the person is so bad yeah, that it's, you know, it, it gets introduced into her, you know, her, she's having anxiety. She can't go to work because, oh, you know, that's, that's where the anxiety is coming yeah. from. Nice callback. Toxic relationships. And it just, yeah. Cause my, my parents were together 53 years and it ended oh, when geez. my dad died. Wow. And it's and it wasn't perfect. I've been in that. I I mean, in that conversation with my mother, I'm like, I don't. I told her, I said, I don't like arguing with people. I don't like yelling because I grew up in a house where that happened. Uh, you know, like it, as great as my parents were, there are times that weren't great. 
And I would be thinking about times where they're from North Carolina. And every time, you know, my dad would stay at his mom's house. My mom would stay at her parents' house. And uh, I remember sometimes they would be arguing once they got back with each other in the car yeah. when we'd no, be driving back home. What a memory. And I wonder, like, is it? And I would have, I'd put my headphones on. <laughs> but I remember, like. Uh, you poor kid. Yeah, I remember like as an adult, I think about it like, damn, were they dealing with old shit from their parents? Oh, absolutely. And then, like putting it on each other, like oh, kinda, no doubt. Yeah, all of our childhoods. Yeah, like whether it's your parents' stuff or just like, oh my god, it's it, there's no question about that. Yeah, no question. I just realized that a, a few years ago. I was like, damn, that's probably why they were fighting. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you don't have that. You just you, know, mom and dad are yelling when you're. <laughs> yeah, sure. You're not nine or layers whatever. deep into it. But yeah, we bring our everybody brings their baggage to the, the relationship. And yeah, that's another reason that I wasn't really ready to to be a parent when at a quote unquote normal age. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of stuff to to deal with and go through and still doing. But yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm glad it happened when it did. Like my daughter's biggest wish is for me to be at her wedding and it's probably going to happen. I would say like 75% chance because mm -hmm. I'll be like, I don't know, whatever. I was 44 when she was born. So if she gets married at 25, I'll be 69. I'll, I'll make that. Yeah. I'll be 55 next month. God so I can do you, another yeah. thing, yeah. another 14 years. Like, and it's true, man. It starts going fast. Jeez. yeah yeah it really does like you know you said like i've been doing comedy over 30 years it seems like yesterday that i started right i don't feel like i've been doing this 30 years no way i've been doing it less than half than you and it's like i think my life changed for the better because it was something that i feared for so long after you said that before happened. you said the the fear word before yeah a lot of people say that you should and it's called like uh do what you're afraid of yes they, it's like the reversal of desire it's in this book yeah. the tools uh that phil stutz and this other guy wrote phil stutz they did it on that jonah hill documentary oh yeah i watched that that was yeah, good so, yeah. yeah he's amazing he's an amazing guy and uh it's barry something was his, his co-writer on that but the the first thing that they teach you is just like whatever Whatever you don't want to do, you have to figure out somehow to tell yourself, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, and you just, you know, you, if you, you're, you're going this way away from it, you turn around and go right back. Yeah. <laughs> and to, you know, I mean, for me, it was sort of like, I'm not going to like constantly torture myself 24 hours a day. Right. But yeah. like, I'll just, you know, pick bits and pieces of that and it happened with um with my workouts like i used to hate um being tired um after working out like i would go swimming at like eight in the morning after i dropped my daughter off from work and i'd just be wiped out the rest of the day mm -hmm. so i started like scaling back my workouts and scaling back my workouts so i wouldn't be tired for the rest of the day and like no i have to go twice as hard because you know, I guess I'm using that as an excuse not to not to really do a really, really good workout because it's hard. It sucks. Hard. I mean, yeah. fucking swimming like it's it, it can kill you like physically. It's so hard if, and it's 
you're only accountable to yourself. Like I'm in the pool with a bunch of people that are just like literally just on their back floating because mm-hmm. they're old and they just want to get in the pool. I'm like timing myself going back and forth on a, on a clock and restricting the number of breaths I'll take. It's torture, but I get out of the pool. I feel fantastic. It sucks when you're going through it. It's not fun. Like when I first get in, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to be in this pool for an hour and the last 20 minutes are going to be torture. (laughs) But I love like just saying fuck it and leaning into it. Like that's a cool expression that people use. No, but it's true. I mean, it's Uh, corny because it's kind of, it. it's true. And you don't know what you're capable of until you do it. And it's temporary. It's it's over in an hour. Yeah. You know, it's and, and the benefits are not only for the rest of the day, but for, you know, a very long time. If you do it regularly, if you swim like four, five times a week, it was, I'm in better shape than people 15 years younger than me. Yeah. Like swimming's the best. It, it really is. And I have it in my act, but it's like, you know, it's good for people my age because we, you know, you can't get hurt doing it. It's not like yeah. there's a career ending swimming injury and you can't do it anymore. Like I'll always be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, going back to, you know, part of the reason I do it is because I want to be healthy for my kid. And I am way over the average age of a dad. So I do have to not go to a cigar bar or do some shit that other guys I know do. That's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. Are you kidding? Yeah. I fucking hate cigars, but the, the other, like any unhealthy thing, like I just see it as like, it's not even a, it's not even a difficult choice because of, you know, I keep seeing my daughter's face and like her biggest wish is for me to go to her wedding. So why should I be sitting around? you know, getting fat or, you know, uh, smoking or, you know, anything. It's like, that's, you're being super selfish. Yeah, that's true. Yep. That's why I'm back in the gym and working nice. out. What are you doing? Yep. Lifting? I need to lift more. I've been mainly doing lifting. cardio. I ride my bike a lot, but I'm getting on the elliptical and the, the rowing machine stuff, but I need to lift more too. Yeah. Lifting's really great. Yeah. That's another lifelong thing that'll I see these older guys at the gym banging out sets. Yeah. Good for you. Really good for you. And women too. Yeah. What what oh. do you and I are gonna do? What are we gonna do together that we said we're gonna know? We're gonna go to the taco place. A taco <laughs> speaking, pair. Speaking of fitness. <laughs> yeah, let's go to the taco place. Where right. you're but you're you're close to me, right? I'm in Park Ridge. I keep getting Park Ridge mixed up with cliffside park i don't know where that is are they close i'm a new guy is park park ridge is in new jersey yes and christian polanco lives over there i think i told you that yeah i should reconnect with him yeah we'll we'll do something we'll talk about it off mic well do you have well, well let's let's just end it here we've we've gabbed and wow we've talked a long a long time it was good cool. yeah it was fun very good i didn't know how deep i was gonna that was gonna go but <laughs> it happens it happens yeah. on this show. It's fine. Yeah, when you talk to a, you know an elder statesman such as myself, an OG, we we're trying. I've to been, you know, I've been through the parents dying. I've been through the career stuff, the marriage stuff. Hey, anything, anything you want to talk about? At first, it was like, oh, how'd you get on late night? Now, it's yeah, like, I don't dad? remember. <laughs> 
the, the, the actual important things in life we could talk yeah about. i, I wanted to leave you with if you want to sign off um if your goal is to do this late night mm-hmm. let's talk about it yeah we won't get into it now because i really don't think it's appropriate for a podcast right um but i would love to share with you some stuff that that worked for me that is a little bit it's a little bit unorthodox okay um i would be uh very eager to share it with you if you'd like to listen all the more reason to go to the taco place or or somewhere in in a in a close by to us yes all right we'll we'll do that we'll do it um thanks for having me on brother of course man do you you have anything to plug any shows really i mean look i'm looking at my calendar i'm doing like some no (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) like like, hold on a second my the biggest coolest doing you're open you're working with yeah i'm opening for kathleen madigan at the borgata in atlantic city saturday july 8th nice music box or the big event center i don't know probably the big one knowing her and um, friday july 30th i will be on the east end of long island in southampton doing um two shows friday july 30th with the amazing carmen lynch oh i love carmen it's called uh sticks and stones comedy club.com okay and uh it's a small place but we're hoping to sell out both shows so that's friday the 30th of of june and then july 8th um with kathleen madigan in atlantic city nice nice thanks andy this has been a delight man this has been so much fun i was so uh i wanted to needed to make wanted to make this happen we did it yep one in the books definitely we'll have you back cool Uh, man it was a pleasure yeah everybody thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Take Bye. it easy, everybody. Bye.